Well, hi. Uh, we are in a series called It's Go Time, where we are going with the people of Israel through the book of Joshua. So if you've got a Bible, Joshua, we're going to be in chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 7. It's going to be a life-changing passage of scripture that you're going to love so very much. Joshua chapter 12, and we're going to start at verse 7. All right. And the words won't be on the screen, that I promise you. You've got to actually like, read a Bible. It's the worst. Right. Joshua chapter 12, starting at verse 7. The following are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the Israelites defeated on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal God in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak that rises towards Seir. And Joshua gave their land to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their allotments, in the hill country, in the lowland, in the Arabah, in the slopes, in the wilderness, in the Negev, in the land of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is next to Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lashish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Debir, one. The king of Gader, one. The king of Hormah, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of Makeda, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lasharon, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazor, one. The king of Shimron, Meron, one. The king of Aksah, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kedesh, one. The king of Jachneam in Carmel, one. The king of Dor in Naphathdor, one. The king of Goim in Galilee, one. The king of Terza, one. Thirty-one kings in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if you've been in this church before, uh, you have probably noticed that every time, or pretty much every time, somebody reads from the Bible, they say that, and then we say, thanks be to God. That's part of our liturgy, our practice as a church, something we really want to remember, so we say it a lot. If you've got a, if you've got a Bible, and if you're using a phone, that's okay, but if you've got a Bible, hold it up real quick. Just hold it up in here. All right. Say this with me. This is God's word to me. All right, but like, say it like you mean it, like with me, all right? We're, so like out loud and loudly, all right? One more time. This is God's word to me. It's good, second time, all right. This is God, that's an amazing thing that we believe as Christians. Not just that God's word came in Jesus Christ and lived and bled and died and was raised and told us how to live, but that God still speaks through this book, still speaks through these words that he spoke so very long ago, and we're grateful for it even for the parts of the Bible that nobody likes to read. Uh, nobody likes to read. That's just a list. If you've ever actually tried to read the Bible, uh, you've probably noticed some of these lists, and that might be why you stopped trying to read the Bible. Uh, if you've ever gone cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, you've seen lots and lots of these lists. And if you're anything like me, you just you hit them and then turn the page and check that box and say, I read that. I I read that as much as I'm going to read that. I'm certainly not going to list. It's a list of names, right? I know what an Excel spreadsheet looks like. I don't need to read it to know that it's an Excel spreadsheet. You know? I'm not going to meditate on this just because I found it in the Bible. This is it's not deep or spiritual or life-changing to me in any way. It's just a bunch of names and places, and they fly through my ears and out the other side, and that's kind of the end of that. But again, the Bible has lots of lists. The people who wrote the Bible seem to think that these lists were important. Remember, they wrote them down in times when people wrote with hands and 
But they copied things at a time when pen and paper and writing were not cheap. For thousands of years, they hand-wrote this and made sure every name was in that list. They seemed to believe that we would find them valuable. Chumps, right? No, we do not find them valuable at all. And I, I understand that, and I think that's okay, and I'm, I'm kind of in the same place. But we were in this series on the book of Joshua, and we claim that we're studying Joshua together. And Joshua has about eight chapters of lists. Right? It starts here and goes all the way to chapter 20. There's some stories in there, but it's really just lists. And I don't, if we really want to learn about the Bible, at some level we have to actually take this book seriously, and that means we might have to talk about one of these lists. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try and find this valuable. And I think one of the ways to start doing that is to stop thinking of it as just a list. These are not just names, and they're not just foreign-sounding places, and I don't know where they are. This is not just a list. There was a time in my life when I was in junior high, and my family moved from Mesa to Phoenix, and I was really lonely, and I thought a lot about killing myself. There's a time in my life when I moved from Phoenix to Tucson and was praying a lot for Christian community and ended up living in a house with 14 different young life leaders. There was a time in my life when I was thinking about being a doctor and I was sitting at a payway right next to U of A and I was praying about it and decided that was not going to be what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Now, there was a time in my life when I moved from Tucson all the way up uh, to Denver, Colorado and then over to Aurora. There was a time in my life when I was a part of a church plant in Aurora and a time when my engagement fell apart uh, living in Denver and my whole life along with it. There was a time in my life when I moved back from Denver to Phoenix and I ended up in seminary when I had no money and no reason to be in seminary, no plan at all. Um, there was a time in my life when I met my wife down at a church we were planting in Tempe called The Spring. And there was a time when my son Matthew was born. And a time when I was a hospital chaplain at a hospital called Banner out in Mesa. And there was a time when my son Sam was born at Good Sam down the way. And a time when my son Sam almost died at Phoenix Children's Hospital. And there was a time when this little community of people got together in my living room and became a church just up the road. And there was a time when this little community of people decided we wanted to plant another church and we're sending some people out to Edinburgh in Scotland. That, that's not just a list. To you, some of you who don't know me at all, that sounds like just a list. But you recognize that those are some significant moments probably, or I wouldn't have brought them up in the first place. And you recognize some of the place names, so it's not nearly as foreign, even though it was long and maybe boring. And some of you probably know a couple of those stories. And you might be super curious about a couple of the ones that I just mentioned. You'd want to hear more details and, and more information about that. But to my wife and I, that's not just a list. Those are the significant moments, or many of them, where I saw God act like God, and I was amazed at what God could do in my life. Those are the times in my life when I saw God move and I decided to follow him and I learned more about who I'm called to be and what I'm called to do. And Well, those are some of the moments in my life where I became the person I am. They, they explain why I am the way that I am and how I got to be where I am. It's not just a list. For the people of Israel, these are stories about how they saw God do incredible things. Moments where they saw him move and they followed him and they were blown away at how strong and courageous they could be as long as they were following God. These are moments where, well, they became who they were going to be, where they got where they are and well, where they were going to be. It's 
It's not just a list. It's a story of victory. And I will grant you, it's not much of a story. Those are bullet points, and there's not a lot of character development. I, I really like hiking um, in forests and on mountains and down in the Grand Canyon. And it's just fun to be in there. But sometimes it's nice to stand at the rim of the Grand Canyon and look down and see the terrain and get a sense of just how big this whole thing is. Or to be up in a plain over a mountain and get a sense of what's going on in that particular forest or with that geography that I've walked over. That's what this is. It's a 30,000-foot view of the book of Joshua. You are all of a sudden seeing the full scope of the story really, really, really quickly. And you get a sense not just of one victory or one moment where God showed up, but this overwhelming just litany of, and we won, and we won, and we won, and God defeated our enemies, and, and we overcame, and we were strong and courageous, and it was amazing. That's the point of the list, to overwhelm you with a sense of victory, of how big God can be and how amazing God can be. These are people who were not mighty warriors. This is not the story of Israel's accomplishments. These are the stories of God's accomplishments. And Joshua will make that clear over and over again. These are people, when the book begins, they keep hearing, be strong and courageous, because they're not. Be strong and courageous, because they need to be. Be strong and courageous. And they start following God, and we see what happens as they follow God, and they see each and every king topple each and every obstacle destroyed. They become stronger and stronger and more and more courageous. These people who used to be slaves, who have now become wealthy because of God. People who used to be homeless, wandering in the desert, now have a home. People who were given a promise have now received some incredible gift from the God they followed. It is an amazing story of victory. Maybe we should make more lists. Maybe, maybe you should sit down and spend some time this week or today or in some quiet time at some point in the future and start writing down some of the moments where you are certain that God did something incredible. Because I'll tell you, it was a weird moment as I wrote down that list and I realized how many things I had to say. That was a long list of my life I gave you. I cut lots out. Because the more you start looking, the more you go, oh my gosh. Oh my God, that was God. And you start seeing his hand move in subtle ways as you pay attention to your life and you remember things you were desperate for, praying about, and you, you look back and you start to get a big sense of the big picture and see where God has been moving you. And maybe you haven't been following Jesus for a long time, and maybe you're not so sure about this whole God thing at all, and I promise you this, if you sit down and you start looking for these moments, you might see a surprising number of coincidences. You go, that's really weird. And all I can tell you is the longer you follow Jesus, the more those coincidences happen. And the more you pray, the more those coincidences happen. It's as though it's, um, that there is a God and he's really answering prayers and he's really doing incredible things. Now, these people, they have this list and it reminds them, it reminds them of who God is and how God has moved in their lives. So it's not just a list, it, it's a reminder. It's a way of remembering. A way of remembering that these people didn't win these battles on their own, that they didn't do this by themselves, that they could never have defeated all these kings. They are not... A, terrifying, awesome military force. God has done this for them. But they need to remember how they got into this land in the first place, how they, how they owned this place in the first place. Because otherwise, they're going to think it was them. They're going to become so well, full of themselves and begin to believe they didn't really need God, and we did this on our own, and we don't really have anything to be grateful for. And that always leads to pain in the life of the people of Israel and the life of the people of God. Anytime we forget who God is and who we are in relationship to him. Bad things tend to happen. And in the life of the people of Israel, that does eventually happen. 
They do eventually get ripped out of this land that they've just gotten. They wander into exile and there are evil kings over them and they live like slaves again. And they cry out to God again and again and again. We want to come back. We're sorry. We want a different life. We want redemption. But all along the way, all along the way, they copied down this list. They kept writing it out over and over and over again. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it. They wrote down those names over and over and over again. And they began to believe what you and I can begin to believe. That if God has acted like that in the past, that God can act like that in the future. That if God has been powerful and victorious and awesome in the past, that maybe he still is. And maybe the best is yet to come. And maybe, just maybe, if we trust him and we cry out to him, he will again show up and we will add to that list. It'll get longer and longer and longer as we brag about the accomplishments of our God and what happens when we follow him. Now, I know that sometimes when we talk about the book of Joshua and all these battles in front of us and how these people are just immediately victorious, that can just get annoying because some of you are in battles right now and you've been struggling for a long time and to hear that you know, God delivers and the people are victorious is just obnoxious because he's not doing that right now and I don't really know why and it drives me crazy. And I get that. I've been there. Um, and all I can tell you is this. It's nice to remember sometimes when you're in a fight that this isn't the only fight, that, that there is a bigger picture, that if you stand back a little bit, you might gain a little bit of perspective. And that really... If you look at some of the things that God has done in your past, that you may begin to have confidence that God can deal with this particular struggle, uh, this particular failure, and this particular battle or enemy that is in front of you. The people of Israel, as the course of the Joshua goes, each time they see God do something amazing, they get a little braver. They get a little stronger. They get a little bit more courageous. You and I can do the same thing if we pay attention to how God has acted in the past, if we remember, if we make a list. Now, there's a guy named David. Oh, gosh. Um, can somebody fix that? It's 3333. I believe in you. You got it? Sorry. There's an alarm that lets us know that it rained. It's fun. So there's a story in the Bible uh, in a book called Samuel of a guy named David. And David's kind of a big deal in the story of Israel. If you don't know his name, that's okay. So David is this king, eventually. But early on in the story, he's just a kid. And there's this giant, terrible warrior named Goliath. In the course of the story, there are all these people who are too scared to fight Goliath. And David, this kid, says, no, I can take that guy. And everybody looks at him and says, you, I mean, you're a runt. There's no way. You can't take this guy. The, the scary, dangerous soldiers here can't take that guy. And he says, look, here's the deal. My God has defeated lions and bears and wolves, and I'm still here. And he goes out absolutely confident that he can take this guy down with a slingshot. And everyone thinks he's going to get killed. And he takes down a giant. And it's incredible and it's amazing. But then a little bit later on in the story, there's another battle. And this time with his boss, who hates him and has it in for him and just wants to ruin his life. And so David ends up leaving town, running away as far and as fast as he possibly can. And when he finally gets to where he's going... He's stuck because he doesn't have any weapons, he doesn't have any food, he didn't really, he just ran away. And it turns out the place where he's stuck is a town that happens to have a temple. What a coincidence. And in that temple there happens to be a museum. What a coincidence. And it's a museum of all of the big battles and victories that God has fought and won. And in that museum is the sword of the giant, Goliath. And he walks in and he says, do you have any weapons? And the guy goes, well, there's the sword of that guy you killed, Goliath. 
And all of a sudden, David has tangible evidence in his hand of the fact that God has won battles in his life before. He's taken down bigger enemies than this. And he goes out armed and ready to face up to the next battle and the next challenge. It's not just a list. It's a way to remember. And it's also a statement about how God deals with his enemies. It's not just a list. It's, it's a statement, right? You find yourself, you and me, we find ourselves in a graveyard of evil, right? Looking around at all the tombstones of the enemies of Israel, all the obstacles they've faced. We're standing on their graves. It's over and done. They've lost. And there's this sort of litany of one, 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 which is really probably more like a bullet point in Hebrew or like a hyphen, uh, but I like to think of it as a scoreboard, right? Uh, people of Jericho, zero. God, one. People of Ai, zero. God, one. Jerusalem, zero. God, one. Makeda, zero. God, one. Over and over and over again. Scoreboard, 31. Enemies of God, zero. Like, it just keeps happening over and over and over again. God keeps winning and winning and winning, which, again, is a statement about the things that are you know, going on in our lives, the things that threaten us, whether that's debt or some big fight in your marriage or some big struggle with your kids or some issue you're having with your family or people in your community or friends or someone you don't know how to deal with at work or some real just huge obstacle that's coming at you from your past but somehow taking over your future. It's good to know. It's good to know the ultimate fate of all of the obstacles that threaten us, that they just get added to a list, checked off one by one by one, not just our own personal enemies, but also the big things in our world. Because the Bible will tell you again and again and again that there will come a day there will come a day when the kingdom of God, which is on its way in, a place where God is king, the kingdom of God truly turns the world upside down. And some of the things that we see around us that are really just horrible, and somebody needs to put them in the grave, will finally be defeated. Things like racism, human trafficking, things like child hunger and poverty, things like diseases that ravage people's bodies. Things that are really ruining the world in which we live, destroying humanity and destroying the good creation that God loves. Those things are on notice right here and right now that there will come a day when the role gets called up yonder. When somebody starts reading off the list of names in the book of life and we discover that our God is dangerous and powerful and anything that has ever dared to threaten us, well, there's a tombstone just waiting for us. So I don't know what you're struggling with right now. I don't know what you're battling right now. I don't know what you see in the world that just makes you hopeless and afraid, but I can promise you this. That list will get longer. That list will get longer. Add the names of all of your enemies. Add the names of all of the obstacles. Add the names of all of the things that are ruining your life right now or that will ruin someone else's life in your community. Follow God and see if he doesn't make you strong and courageous. Follow God and see if he doesn't prove to you that this isn't just a list. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for weird parts of the Bible. Uh, we thank you for alarm systems that are meant to protect us, God. Uh, we pray for the, the property of Create Academy today, uh, that you would keep it safe from flood and fire, that you would protect the children who come onto this campus each and every day, that we care about these teachers and we care about these students and we really want to serve them. We pray for summer school, oh Lord. God, that you would, that you would help these kids to learn, that you would break cycles that are stuck in their lives that you would take some of the obstacles and the enemies that they face and you would put them in the ground. We pray that for our friends today, God, wherever people are struggling, wherever doubt seems to reign, wherever fear and chaos are in charge of our lives. Because we know that you're good. We know that you're dangerous. We know that every battle, every victory is yours in the end. We pray, God, that you would show that to us today. That you give us a taste of it. In the name of Jesus, amen.